Welcome to episode 12 of The Two Vegans. Once again, hello to our new listeners and our regulars. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about labels in veganism. So we're quite excited to share a bunch of different things with you about that. But first, uh, Heathel just got back from the UK. And if you've been following our Instagram, you've been noticing all these very, very delectable food posts uh, from the UK. So she also attended the Vegan March on the 26th of August. Uh, it's called the Official Animal Rights March. It's yeah. the um, there's a, there's an event company called Surge that does the that does a lot of activism and they do all these vegan events around the world. This is their third event. There were an estimated ten thousand vegans who had attended the festival, yeah. and it was so overwhelming. It was so so amazing. The the entire vibe. In fact, I actually connected with another vegan online before going there and shared an Airbnb with her. So hi, Larissa, if you're listening to this. And um, it was like we just put on our vegan gear, we put on our message t-shirts and we carried our um, placards and um, we walked, I think it it was a seven and a half kilometers uh, march that ended at Hyde Park and we started somewhere near Millbank. I I don't know, it it was a very, very emotional walk for me. Like I found myself kind of being a bit teary-eyed at different moments. Also, it was uh, pretty hilarious in some parts because we, we just stood outside uh, McDonald's. It was so bad. And people went berserk. Like, we just stood there for 10 minutes shouting slogans outside McDonald's. The authorities had kind of blocked uh, a certain road for us and we were supposed to stick to it and we had barriers around it. And there were like other people on the other side of the road thinking that, okay, look at this cult, vegan, just vegans just passing around and you know. And then we walked, stood outside McDonald's and you're just seeing people eating their burgers. And I don't know, what is it that people, vegans especially have against McDonald's in particular? Like, it's not any different from the pizzeria next to McDonald's that also sells a pepperoni pizza, right? But no, it is, it, is, it is quite different. Do you think? I mean, first of all, McDonald's like invented the franchise concept. It's, so they're one of the reasons why you have all these franchises all over the world. And then they built it on a meat industry and including abusing... Um, produce and and everything, right? I mean, we've seen tons of documentaries and stories over the years, but it's all around the meat. So a pizzeria that, you know, offers a couple of pizza options or a couple of whatever pepperoni pizza options, whatever, is still very different compared to, the, you know, the company that pioneered selling a billion burgers. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I do get where it comes from, but it was just like... Anyway, I had my fun. <laughs> and um, yeah, we just stood there outside calling it mech murder and all these things. And it was good. And um, the march ended with Earthling Ed giving a speech and a couple of other vegan activists giving like really, really good speeches. And we kind of did like a moment of silence for all the animals that are slaughtered and being slaughtered currently and so on. So yeah, it was a great experience. And I think I'm ready to do it one more time next year, probably. Yeah, if you guys do have the access to do activism in your countries please go ahead and do it you will be overwhelmed by the numbers that are increasing this particular event went from 2000 vegans to 5000 vegans to 10000 vegans so it's literally doubling every year besides this like uk and london i i went to london and scotland in particular right and it's just booming with veganism there's like vegan stuff at every corner and if like like chirag said if you're following our instagram if you're not then you should uh, you'll find out all the f- fancy gems that I found over there 
in terms of food and there's there's literally no excuse these days at least in london and scotland to not go vegan so yeah it was a great experience did you did you happen to connect with any other vegans that were there or part of the march did you get a sense of like you know was everybody you know coming from europe with the people who had flown in just like you had from outside so during the march i couldn't really talk to people because we were just marching and i was just speaking to a little group over there but i found out that people were coming from all over the world the lady i was sharing the airbnb was coming from germany i know a few vegans from dubai that went from here there are people who came from canada there are people who came from china so i did see a lot of people coming from different parts of the world and just getting together for animal liberation Yeah, I mean I know the the guys from Inside Veganism although they're based in the UK where there as well like we saw I saw their post the, the day you were marching as well so pretty awesome yeah. So coming to our episode for today uh we want to talk about labels. So we thought why not we address the issue of uh, labels in veganism as as these days we have labels everywhere. Some of the most annoying labels that we have and probably try and uh, bust the myths around them. I turned vegan um because my sister convinced me to watch Earthlings. That's Pilar Yamela. I am half Colombian, half Azerbaijani, and after the documentary, really I went vegetarian. I didn't go vegan straight away. So I was vegetarian for 2 years and then the idea was to slowly go into veganism. Yeah, my sister is now vegan as well. She went vegan about Two months ago, so there's two of us in the family. It was interesting explaining to her parents that we no longer wanted to eat meat. We're very, we come from both cultures, very meat heavy. I love seafood, I love meat, everything. So it was, it was a big change. It's different when you look at it from a different perspective. Not just I like this and it tastes good, but then when you see how it's made, and it's not just the diet change; it's a lifestyle change. It's everything. It's seeing um, where your clothes come from. You know, the leather, your makeup, your uh, shampoo your conditioner all of these things so it's a completely it's a lifestyle change but it's in a good way i think it was a good experience and i think now it's a lot easier because there's so many vegan friendly places and you can easily veganize foods we were talking to multiple people and we asked them you know what do you think is the ratio between um men to women in vegans in in dubai it's a very big disparity i mean i would say maybe i could be wrong i would say 2018 and of course this is just a this is a, an estimation but i mean the fact that you know the perception is that 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 that's how wide the divide is i guess the perception actually comes from whatever we are observing these days and you don't see a lot of um unfortunately you don't see a lot of men i'd like to see more men <laughs> in veganism um for obvious reasons it is a gender stereotype but it it comes from a place of truth um and it's the same thing in animal rescue as well i don't see a lot of men out there um there are there are a few uh, really good animal rescuers that i personally know of in the region or i know about in the region um however i don't see most of them are women and i guess it's more um women out there who actually are okay to embrace their empathetic side and go out there and speak against animal abuse in this case or anything else for that matter um interestingly in a recent survey by vegan society in the uk 37% of vegans were men and 63% were women of course this ratio is more skewed in the middle east in america on the other hand 79% of vegans are women so you you'd actually think where does this divide come from you know how they say women are more compassionate or women have more empathy or women have the smothering thing from nature i'm not sure if i agree but that's what you know that's what they say and maybe that's why women are more likely to want to help are more likely to 
empathize with the animal, to be compassionate, to act rather than just stay on the sidelines. If you look at gender roles, if maybe it's the husband that is the breadwinner in the family, so he has no time maybe to get involved in rescuing. And maybe it's the, his wife who is, I mean, but I also know people that work and a lot of women that are involved work full time and they have full time jobs and yet they do on top of everything, the animal rescue. It would be really interesting to see actually to get to the core of the problem as to why it exists there, but it is. But I think slowly I can see that men do want to get involved. I don't think it's an issue as such. It's something that is. And I think we don't know why. Here's a funny bit about this, right? Like we were trying to kind of get a sense of what could be the reasons behind that. I'd like to believe, and I have never felt that like my decisions changed just because I was I was a guy. Like I think when, when I decided that, no, I wanted to be vegan, um, I didn't feel like I had any different hang-ups compared to anybody else that felt like they wanted to be vegan. And yet somehow there clearly does seem to be some kind of divide happening. I guess it all brings us down to the gender roles that have been going around for centuries. Uh, men have always been the providers of the family. They have been expected to go out, hunt and gather food um, since the caveman era. And um, women, on the other hand, are expected to stay at home. Um, if you look at advertisements as well, uh, barbecues and everything is just more of a man thing where men just get get together and you know uh, it's an event to just grill meat. If you look at ads where um, dishwashing soap or a vacuum cleaner it's mostly oriented towards women and I guess that's where the masculinity has been embedded. They kind of think that not eating meat is for wimps or it's just wussy. When it comes to bodybuilding and strength um, men have this natural um, tilt towards eating meat for protein, which again is our favorite topic. And it's it's kind of sad, you know, as, as when men are children, we teach them not to cry because it's not manly, it's not macho. We don't allow men to express their emotions freely and I guess they grow up just with that toxic masculinity or hybrid masculinity thinking that it's not okay to be emotional or empathetic, whereas women on the other hand are more expressive they they show their emotional side more. It's funny that you say that as well, right? Because I came across this survey the other day about, uh, so they basically surveyed a few um, and women and tried to understand from them. And sort of the, the response that they got in the survey was that a lot of men uh, indicated like feelings of shame and embarrassment to reveal that they didn't want to eat meat. Um, some of them... Uh, Apparently, like, we're very conscious and we're very aware of the fact that they didn't want to eat meat. But then in a gathering or in a public space when, you know, they didn't want to reveal that and so they would eat meat. I found that very interesting, personally, because, again, like I said, I, I've, I've never felt that kind of feeling. I mean, granted, I was or I've been vegetarian for a long time. Uh, so I guess that... Uh, you know, the thought process in my head was already pretty clear in terms of that's not, that's not, you know, I'm, I'm vegetarian. There's not, there's nothing to that. Uh, but, but I can see why, you know, for a lot of people like that is, it's such a defining trait for, for them as, as, um, as a person. I mean, when we talk about everything from barbecues to just meat eating as a, as a thing, like the men are eating the steak while, you know, and then that kind of role as well, or that kind of sort of gender tag survey has actually like sort of collated that and said, yeah, you know, men are embarrassed to reveal that they don't eat meat because it's just unmanly. Yeah, but do you think as a, as a man, like, have you ever had any such experiences? I mean, even in India, what meat does in the West, dairy does in the East, yeah. you know, or at least in India. 
that you have to drink milk to be strong you know and your mum will force you to drink milk and tell you you're going to be a strong man one day also i think in those cliched bollywood movies on the first night in weddings right after weddings they give the guy a glass of milk so that he can enough you know stamina. have enough stamina and sexual prowess to impress his uh, new bride uh, have you gone through any of that definitely no, not no, the not last the... one <laughs> Uh, so yeah, growing up, of course, uh, I think not just milk, but even like uh, ghee, which is the clarified butter, which is p- predominantly used in India, uh, unlike butter in the West. Although now, it's all even because of the amount of uh, both nutrients and, and calcium and protein that exist in, in these components. Like this was quite a big thing. It's I mean, I still hear. Of course, I still hear. Um, when, when we're talking about like Indian parents, I, I still hear them talk about their kids that way and be like, no, 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 you know, um, ghee and, and butter is good for like gr- the growing boy. Like, I, and I, and and I think also to to your point, um, you know, if if a girl grows up skinny, it's considered a good thing. But if a guy grows up skinny, it's considered like, oh my God, this is uh, you know, what's happening to him? Like he's gonna be lanky and skinny, and this is horrible. Uh, so let's let's feed him fat, and and that comes from like milk, cream, butter, ghee, whatever. Uh, so yeah, that that stuff, yeah, I do, I definitely definitely see that. I have had comments thrown at me when I was, you know, when I went vegetarian properly, uh, almost now ten years ago. Uh, in the first couple of years, I'd be like, you know, how can you not eat? meat like this is ridiculous like you know you're a guy you're growing you're a young guy like you know I, I have been told that I don't necessarily I don't necessarily take every one of them as a gender stereotype necessarily as much as it was just alarm or bizarre to people that's you know there were there were you know serious vegetarians work gatherings and that kind of thing it used to be like it used to be such a thing because I would have to be like listen I don't eat meat and you know how it is I mean it's of course it's a lot better now but you know how it is back, how it was back then let's say like eight years ago if you were doing these company dinners and stuff like there were never vegetarian options in the menu it was always like a, this a side of potatoes like that's all you had to eat right and so that would always be a thing where I would have to go out of my way to request these things and if I didn't I would starve or well eat potatoes but you know also kind of relate to that because I know that it is hard I know a lot of people just instinctively don't want to be singled out in this manner yeah I guess I've seen a lot of suppressing men's emotions mothers telling their sons not to cry because it's not manly fathers telling and till date like you know you you're just telling men don't be a pussy like why why is it such a bad word you know what I mean like why why is being something feminine considered to be against masculinity you know i i guess like women should um, uh you know embrace their masculine side and men should embrace their feminine side uh, at different uh, uh, during different situations and um, i have been told once by somebody it's it's easy for you to be a vegan because you're a woman and i'm like huh? what again Uh, yeah you know we we cannot be uh, men are meant to eat meat it's it's because of the way we are built and i'm like uh, so we so now we are beyond how lions and humans are built now we are how men versus women are built a lot of examples of vegan powerlifters and, and, and vegan and vegan fighters who are thriving there's also vegan strongman uh, you guys know Patrick Bibumian to get a different perspective on this we've spoken to Hadi Almuanes a lot of men think that it's manly to eat meat and it's manly to ignore your emotions being empathetic is manly i mean if that's the, if, if that's the reason that's stopping you from going vegan just because you you uh, you, uh, you, you don't want, you don't want people to see you as less of a man then that just speaks a lot a lot about you and that that means that you're insecure about yourself and that you should look look into yourself 
but that's because that's not being manly. Being empathetic is what uh, is what a, what a man is. Well, there you have it. I mean, it's good to see the young men are not so gender bound <laughs> in some ways. Yeah, but I think I mean, I, like I said again, I I do I, as much as I personally have not been direct. I don't believe I've been directly targeted as being a male vegan. Uh, it's very clear that there is this gender disparity, and I think it's it's important. I think. And that's one of the reasons I think one of the points that we're trying to make as well, which is there's nothing wrong with being empathetic, right? There's nothing wrong with um, being vegetarian. I mean, I know t- I do know guys that are vegetarian and vegan, of course. But yeah, the, it it is very likely that you will run into a woman vegetarian, and just the odds are, or um, just slated that way. I've seen uh, even among my friends, for example, right? It's the women that get queasy when we talk about like animal slaughter and stuff, and a lot of guys are just like, "Yeah, it's okay. It's part of life. It's part of. It's one of those things." So, so I can see why that I think, and that explains the disparity to a large extent. But and it's important that, um, I, or I hope that it it changes. I I also want to like on a closing note on this particular topic, I want to tell uh, women who have sons to please raise your sons and let them cry. It mm-hmm. is okay to cry. Uh, it is okay for a man to cry. It is okay for a man to be empathetic towards uh, beings. And um, yeah, please don't hand him a glass of uh, <laughs> milk on his first night. <laughs> I think there's a lot of uh, stereotyping on uh, nationalities. It, it's quite interesting because we are constantly judging. Uh, yes, I'm going to say it. We are constantly judging China to eat dogs, while we continue eating pigs and cows. Um, and I guess like when it when it comes to countries like countries in the Middle East or in Southeast Asia, we have a completely different mindset towards them when it comes to meat eating. And you just it's just kind of more uh, shocking or rather pleasantly surprising to find vegans over there. I want to sort of lay that out too. I think uh, you know we've we've seen the, the the converse of this as well, right? So we've I've had people tell me, but I also just in general, uh, you know, expecting that as an Indian or as, in, as someone with Indian ethnicity, um, I'm better in tune with the fact that animal slaughter is a problem and we do see that side of it. At the same time, we kind of expect that it's going to be hard and difficult and complicated. Uh, even within India, when you have certain parts of India that are very meat heavy, uh, but even then when you look externally, like you said, Middle East and everywhere else where there is, uh, there is something. And, you know, when we look at the stats, though, it's quite amazing to see what is what really is the case so you might expect for example uh places like let's say the uk and europe or or so on uh to to take to have a harder time adopting uh you know more vegetarian options again compares even in comparison to sometimes in the middle east and india where there are a lot of food and preparations that are vegetarian whereas you know we look traditionally and we look from a stereotype perspective that the Americans, the Brits, like they, or especially like even further Northern Europe, uh, don't even know what it's like to really, really eat vegetables, right? Like it's it's meant to be the side thing and it's never meant to, you know, and, and that sort of contrast. But then when you look at things like the amount of, um, you know, increase in the vegan population in the UK, it's about 350% over the last decade. Or you look at uh, the same thing with the US and, you know, the I remember seeing multiple stats, including the fact that, you know, the population was doubling over the course of, you know, a few years. Um, so this is this is the good bit, right? Like that's good, very, very good to see that even, I mean, granted that when you're in a small number, it's easy to double, but that's, it's still, it's still quite a steep rise in the amount of awareness and the amount of things. And we know also like part of it has been linked directly to the health aspects of it. So we're seeing more and more nutritionists and 
you know, these people, and I, I hear the same thing here in Dubai, where we hear a lot of nutritionists and stuff coming out and saying, oh, adopt a vegan diet or adopt a plant-based diet. It's better for you just in terms of health. In China now, uh, there have been new dietary guidelines released by the Chinese government that encourages um, the Chinese population to reduce their meat consumption by 50%. Again, uh, it's always easier to um, influence people by showing them the ill effects on their health. Everybody wants to take care of themselves first before they can take care of someone else. And uh, I guess it's pretty much working around the world where people are now realizing the health benefits of a plant-based diet. Research predicts that China's vegan market will grow more than 17% between 2015 and 2020. Huge, and I think it's high time we move uh, beyond the Chinese um, image and stereotype that we have of just eating dogs and see that everyone around the world is working towards embracing a vegan diet and a vegan lifestyle. You're talking about an Arabic and Islamic culture. It, I think it is harder to, to be vegan than, than, than most cultures, but it's very, 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 very possible. I don't, think, I don't think it's an excuse. It's definitely possible. You can control what you put in your mouth. Here's Hadi again, talked about his transition as, as a Syrian expat and what his family's reaction to all of this was. Having my family and my, my friends not being supportive was the hardest part about being vegan. I still don't think that was uh, a barrier. My family was against it. My friends made, made fun of it. I went vegan actually exactly in the 2nd of February 2016 and it was an overnight transition. I, I was convinced of it and I decided okay tomorrow I'm just gonna try it out for a month see what happens and it just just stuck with me. Initially it was for health. Now I also consider myself an ethical vegan as, as an athlete trying to focus on uh, protein-rich foods like beans, quinoa, soy, soy products. But I have veganized a lot, a lot of uh, Arabic foods and a lot of Arabic food is also vegan. Like hummus, you guys know the, the salad, the, the, the salads. Uh, we also have, my, my mother have made a lot of the traditional Arabic food. I don't know if you are familiar with them, like kubba, uh, stuff like even biryani and mandi. All, all these things my mother have veganized for me at, at, least, at least a couple of times. And I think they're just as good. And it's just simple trans uh, simple replacements. So, I mean, in Hadi's case, obviously, very clear independence about how he's handling some of this stuff and, and how his parents have sort of, you know, come around to that. Uh, but that's not, I think, that's not something we see everywhere, right? I mean, if you remember uh, a few episodes ago, we, we interviewed um, Anam Mazhar from, from The Hub 7, who said that, you know, initially she faced a lot of opposition from her parents about how... But at the same time, it's it it's it's starting to seem to me, and based on all the people that we spoke to over the course of over the course of this, is that uh, you know when when the person is pretty headfast about the fact that no, you know, like I'm not comfortable doing this, and therefore I'm not going to do it. Eventually, in most of the stories that we had, the families came around. Yes, and I guess families do come around eventually. You rebel against them over anything, and they do come around. But I guess a lot of people and fairly so, are scared to just go against their family. And if you, if you come from, uh, I don't know, um, an Italian, if, you, if you're an Italian and you come, you're obviously coming from a very dairy-heavy background, you have to have cheese, you have to have um, your grana padano in your pesto, you know, you cannot just ignore it. And just telling your family that I've just cut out dairy one fine day and they're like, what am I going to feed you? What has happened to you? The devils have taken over. Um, so I do get how difficult it is. I think even as Indians just telling our families that we're not going oh, to drink so, milk yeah. and they just think that you are bonkers, like why are you doing this to yourself? Like I've had my family members send out videos to me on why milk is, um, you know, healthy for you. Dude, 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 dude. <laughs> yeah, for people who don't understand Hindi, dude means milk. It was a campaign that was run in the 90s. 
to try and encourage more milk drinking. That and the egg campaign, my God. Yeah, I must say, like, I fell for that campaign. It, it made me believe that, yes, eggs and milk is all that I require in my life. I mean, you just needed someone to tell you, yeah, go eat eggs. And then you found out they were delicious. And so you were like, oh, fuck, I'm not going back now, right? So, yeah, I do understand when people cannot rebel against their family because it's not only... And in, in countries... Um, like the, in countries in the Middle East and in Asia, families are large. Yeah. We're all close-knit. I'm glad that we have somebody who is uh, busting these myths as well over here. We've spoken to Shane Lopez Sanchez, who comes from the Philippines and she lives in Dubai. As you know, Philippines is a very seafood-heavy culture, um, as well as a very pork and beef-heavy culture. Actually, transitioning is easier because you're just dealing with yourself. But together with your friends and family, that was, I think, the hard part because you have to explain yourself you have to explain things why and how and where you get your protein where you get all these things and stuff once i'm educated enough and informed enough i can explain myself i studied about you know all the micronutrients and macronutrients that we get the minerals that we get from the plants and vegetables and yeah i mean difficult part is for the older people I guess, because they tend to stick to their own traditions. These kind of people, um, they make family dinners and occasions or gatherings difficult for me because they make fun of me. I mean, at the beginning, it, it offended me. But now I just handle it really lightly. I'm also married with the, with the Spanish. So <laughs> a meat-eater country as well, a meat so I'm dealing with both sides. It was really difficult, but at the end of the day, I have explained myself, and I told I told them it's it's either you just have to ignore me or accept me and have a good relationship with me, you know, because at the end of the day, I'm not gonna change because of your perception. When I was pregnant, I was also vegan, and so um, I educate myself furthermore how to be vegan while pregnant because uh, I face a lot of issues considering that I'm still living in Dubai and there's not even um, a vegan doctor there. There's not a lot of sources for this so I just educate myself. All my vitals every month was normal, not even lower or above. It was just stable and normal. It was a very light pregnancy. I didn't have any cravings. I was carved up during pregnancy. I was uh, eating a lot of camote. We call it camote. I think it's a purple potato. Oof, I really love those. Um, pumpkins and corn and a lot of spinach. A lot of, a lot of veg actually. Not everyone knows about veganism. Not everyone knows that you can get protein from plants. Not everyone knows a lot of things about um, the, the nutrients that you will get from on the benefits of being vegan. So I mean, there are two family members on my on my on my husband's side who become vegetarians and now considering to be vegan by just telling informations about veganism, why I did it, for ethical things, for the animal's sake, and for the wellness actually, and for the for the earth. Like one night they converted into vegetarian and now they are planning to do the transition to veganism. One of the common trends that I'm starting to see, granted very anecdotally, among all the people that I speak to, but then all the people we spoke to even for this episode, you know, in terms of like getting the family to come around. In some cases, even family members adopting 
or moving to at least a vegetarian diet or a meat-free diet, uh, which I find fascinating. I find great because it's starting to t tell you that, you know, it's, a lot of this is happening because of, it's almost like a proof of concept, right? They're seeing that someone's doing this and they think, wow, that's, you know, I mean, the first time I got it, I got the same thing, right? I got, what? Why? Like, why would you do that? And then it became like, oh, that's pretty commendable that you're doing that. And, you know, how do you, how do you stay on it? And how do you not, like, make a mistake or falter or, or whatever it is? Uh, and then, you know, sort of moving into, like, oh, so if I were to do this, how do I go about it? Um, and I see that from friends. I see that from family as well, which is just wonderful. I mean, that's, it's great to see that there are people that are willing to listen and willing to, to do it. And we're seeing that across multiple communities, multiple cultures, multiple nationalities, multiple backgrounds over and over again, which is, I mean, which is phenomenal. Yeah, and also I guess Shane, as she touches upon her pregnancy, and of course, that's that's one of the things where the family really puts their foot down and tells you that, no, you can do whatever you want, but don't let our grandson or grandchild get affected, you know. And, you know, I see non-vegan parents around the world saying that you've got to stop your eating habits on your children. And the vegan parents are like, but you do the same, like... <laughs> <laughs> Children are children, you got to tell them what they're supposed to eat. You tell your child to eat sausages, I tell my child to eat broccoli, like, what? They don't, they don't uh, come in this world and be like, hey, I want to eat that chocolate, I don't eat the strawberry. You influence their food choices, of course. Once they're older, once they're into the teen years, that's when they decide what is right or wrong for them. But when they're seven and six years old, you got to tell them as parents what they're supposed to eat. So, so what other labels can you think of, Chirag? Well, I guess, which is one of your favorites, isn't it? It's you're our favorite because we're on the extreme sides of it. <laughs> yeah, the one where, you know, everybody thinks that just because you're vegan, suddenly you become very healthy. Or more interestingly, I've also heard people think that just because you're vegan, you've automatically become health conscious. And I find that, that it really interesting because, yes, that is true in some cases, sure. But, um, no, they're they're animal life conscious and they're they believe in that and the ethical and, and that angle of it over just health conscious. And a lot of times that's the reason to do it. But as you will attest, I'm sure that that doesn't automatically mean that I'm eating the, I'm eating broccoli every day or avocados God, every day. No, I need my burgers. As a woman, I also need my burgers. And as a vegan, I also need my burgers. Yeah. Yeah. And I am that clumsy woman eater who just spills burgers everywhere. Um, and shout out to those people who comment on Facebook posts where people have asked about uh, you know, junk food options on veganism and they're like, oh, but that's not healthy. Oh, but it's a lot of calories. Go away. <laughs> I have my every right to eat my junk food. It's quite sad because it's, it's, it's probably another excuse for non-vegans to point out and fat shame people specifically or body shame. I'm not going to say fat shame. Uh, it's another excuse for uh, people who don't want to quit meat or who don't want to embrace veganism and body shame people, you know, I've, I've seen online on um, various uh, forums where there has been a particularly um, curvy vegan and she has been told that you can't say anything because you are fat and and I'm just like, she can, she's standing up for animal rights, like there is no need to body shame her or him or, you know, or even a thin guy who's out there just uh, you know, doing some vegan activism and I've, he's because he's faced. Yeah, it's either because you're vegan that you you don't look like a man and you don't have muscles and you don't have this and that. And I'm just uh, you know, you know, it was really interesting. Like, um, 
uh, especially in the 90s. This was said about the Indian cricket team a lot. We were told that very often, that that's the reason why we are not producing fast bowlers, because we're not a meat-eating country, or uh, most of the team does not eat meat, or a lot of the team does not eat meat, and you'll never develop fast bowlers if you don't also eat meat. Interesting. Who said it? Not t- I'm not putting any names out there. <laughs> I think I know which team you're talking about. <laughs> I'm not going to take any names today on the show. Oh, come on. We must. Uh, I mean, you know, coming back to the to the point as well, like, I have been told that at some point. I mean, I, I remember this conversation a little bit distinctly because obviously it just was something that I just thought was quite bizarre to hear. Um, you know, when, uh, I don't know, we were... We were um, we were at a work thing and uh, somebody was cooking and it was like this whole thing. It was like a, I don't know, it was a barbecue or something like that. And uh, and you know I just said like yeah sorry I'm not gonna eat that like I'm not I'm not a meat eater. And I just got looked at and I was told like, but you're so fat. Like how how are you overweight if you don't eat meat? And I'm just like, <laughs> you'll be amazed at how fatty vegetarian food can be and vegan food can be. By the way, like yeah I think I'm just gonna listen to my cat because my cat doesn't judge me based on my body type so this is coming yeah. from the person who then judges the cat based on their body type like, you've become so fat come here and exercise yeah that then now it's like a health <laughs> issue <laughs> i mean <laughs> now that we're talking about labels and i just thought of one more um i've seen a lot of people say that veganism is just a white person cult it's so easy for them because they they live in these first world countries and they have all these options. Uh, why don't you come to my country over here in this part of the world and see how difficult it is to be a vegan? And people forget to realize that eating vegan cheese made with rich cashew from California is not being vegan. It's eating your beans, eating tomatoes and eating broccoli or eating whatever vegetables and fruits that your country produces is being vegan. Um, so I guess that's one of the labels. It, it is not too as in your face as the previous labels that we spoke about, but I guess it is one of the things that people around the world also believe. So I think that's quite a few things that we wanted to cover today in terms of labels. As always, I'm very curious to know what you guys think. Uh, maybe some of the labels you guys have experienced or have been told, because we've been told a lot of things. Uh, over the last few years and it'd be very interesting to hear how you guys feel about not just about the labels but about things you've been told or about stereotypes that you think are prevalent uh, especially when we're looking at it from a vegan perspective yeah do tell us whether you have been shamed to be a particular type of vegan um, or you know of somebody who is shamed and not able to go vegan because of that we're very happy to talk to them as well also send the bullies across to us and Chirag will handle them he is the healthy vegan in the group as always you can um, listen to episodes of the show in any podcast player just look for the two vegans and you can follow us on Instagram and you'll get all of Heathel's UK trip updates over the next week so yeah follow us on the.2.vegans on Instagram yeah until then keep on keeping on and don't shame anyone for anything goodbye